Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world. Welcome to the Fandrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 56 of the Fantrax Toolshed and our second of the week with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store for you all today. And with me, as always, my co-host from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's up, bud? Oh, not much. Just uh, feeling the nerves of the Braves game going on right now. Last night, obviously, being a little disaster. I guess two nights ago when you're listening to this, but currently three nothing in the third. So feeling good. Just got to keep the lead. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about to talk about the AFL. Had an awesome, awesome experience. Wish we were still there. Like I wish we just could just stay out there all month and just go to games every day. It would be absolutely amazing. Right. That would be awesome. Um, on my baseball front, I'm, I'm a little uh, grumpier than I was two days ago when we recorded that episode as we were up two one at the time. Now we're down three, two because we forgot how to hit. Uh, we got all those runs, and this we haven't. We uh, got all those runs too early because we didn't save any for the rest of the, of the series. <laughs> um, and Fran Valdez had like 400 ground ball outs tonight. Um, you know, with his 70 percent ground ball rate, so he went eight innings, which is almost unheard of nowadays uh, in playoff baseball. When and everyone's playoffs, getting, when Scherzer and Bueller and guys like that are getting pulled in like the fourth, and then Fran just goes eight innings of three hit ball with one run. Um, so yeah, now we're down three, two, but, uh, now we got to go back and win both in Houston, not impossible, but probably unlikely, but uh, we'll see. Um, but we, we got a fun episode today. I, first of all, go back. If you missed the episode earlier in the week, we had a early two round 2022 mock draft with Chris baseball pods, uh, Dave McDonald and Casey Bubba. So go check that out. That was a lot of fun. And now we got our second episode this week, as Chris mentioned, recapping our, Arizona Fall League live looks. We got the six AFL games and one Instructs games. Um, so that was a lot of baseball in a three-day stint. I was hoping to get to a little bit more, but we still got to plenty, and that was just a lot of fun. A lot of good weather out there, too. Um, wasn't too hot. There was a couple games where it was warm, but uh, it was just a great, great weather for baseball. And like Chris said, you know, wish we were still out there. <laughs> but, you know, we got families and stuff to come back home, too, and that was good seeing the family again after being out at the – Arizona Fall League and first pitch Arizona for five days, but um, a lot of good live looks, and we'll go over those today. But before we do, the usual housekeeping, 
You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at AirCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both of us. And of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our other podcasts, SB Streamer, Fantasy Hockey Life, Fantasy Football Addicts, Define Fantasy Football, and Fantasy Football POV. But let's get right into this episode. We're going to kind of break it down team by team. Um, thought that was the easiest way to go about this. We got a lot of players that we want to talk about here. Um, starting with, so we had six teams. There's Mesa Solar Sox, Peoria Javelinas, which is my favorite team because they have a like a pissed off looking boar <laughs> as their mascot. And I meant to get like some swag where there's a hat, a shirt, totally spaced on it, but it's it's an awesome logo. So that's probably my, my favorite team just because of that. Uh, then we got Glendale Desert Dogs, the surprise Saguaros, Scottsdale Scorpions, and the Salt River Rafters. Uh, so let's start with Mesa, who is it's funny. I think we were at one of the games and we were kind of deciding, like, all right, if we had to rank the, you know, the talents, the offensive talents on each team, I think we both ranked Mesa last. And they currently lead the uh, Arizona Fall League in runs for games. That's kind of funny. Including one game we were at that they put up, was it 13 runs? Yeah, pretty, they, and it was 13 in like three innings. And they didn't yeah, score. first three <laughs> innings. They yeah. had like four in the second, nine in the third, and the most ridiculous game I've ever seen uh, yeah. with all the walks and, and hit batters and that third inning was insane. Um, yeah, half inning took 50 minutes. Like not 15, like 5-0 it took for half of an inning. That's what happens when you get nine runs, bases loaded, and still no outs. Yeah, that's and then they bring in they bring in an, another reliever. I forget who it was, and then that guy struck out the side, like the next three hitters. He, yeah, like, and it, he struck out like good guys too. It's like what? <laughs> All but yeah, this kind of turned the inning around. But um, so Mesa, uh, it's a, every every team out there has uh, six teams. Uh, no, every five major league teams are affiliated with yeah. all, each of the six Arizona Fall League teams. Um, for Mesa, it is Baltimore, Chicago Cubs, Miami, Oakland, and Toronto. This is probably, like we said, the least uh, sexy team, but still has some pretty solid players out there. Let's start with a pair from Miami. J.J. Blade and Cameron Meisner are out there. Um, Blade, you know, that was the bigger name. He's coming up a, you know, a down season. Um, didn't really perform too well uh, in AA this year. Uh, ended with a 212, 323, 373 slash, uh, 12 home runs and 22 doubles in 110 games. The approach was okay. You know, didn't, you know, K, K rate was low 20% range, walk rate was well over 10%. So that was still pretty solid. But just the context goes and the power weren't there. Uh, for Meisner, he had a, a bit of a better year, not quite as bad. Um, not a great year, a 253, 355, 433. But did have 12 home runs and 26 steals and 102 games across high A and double A. We saw some hard contact from both. Uh, I think each had an exit velocity over 100 miles an hour. Uh, Chris, what were your thoughts with uh, with each of these guys? Like I, I was, you know, we we'd obviously we didn't uh, get a ton of looks at these two guys, but you know, at least I was saw that I was felt good that Blay was at least getting some hard contact out there. Got a nice double in in the left center, the opposite way with high exit velocity. So, um, but Overall, yeah, that was about it with Blade. But what, what were your thoughts on these two? Yeah, and, and both these are guys that you know weren't overly impressive during the season, and so definitely guys to keep an eye on, especially Blade because we we valued him so highly. Like a lot of people, you know, there were some that thought he was a top twenty five prospect coming into the year. Like 
that he would come. And the thing was, he was so close to the majors too, and he struggled. Now we saw him twice. I think we saw both him and we saw Mesa twice. So um, the first game, he did look pretty good. He hit three balls opposite way pretty hard. I think two went for doubles. I think the other was a line out, but even still like that was good to see. Uh, and one of the games it's Salt it's Salt River they have the stat cast implementation and Meisner hit one one eleven which was the highest that I've seen all fall league until that was that was smoked yeah until <laughs> Joey Weimer hit one one thirteen point two so I think Weimer's the, still the highest that we I've seen so far recorded but yeah Meisner smoked one neither have been overly impressive Blade's biggest thing is that he's walking you know that's his OBP's three eighty nine he struck out six times so far in, in 14 at bats. So, you know, not great, but okay. And it was encouraging. And that's the thing also, like when, we, if we read off stats, like some of these stats are pretty meaningless. It's such a hitters league. The pitchers out here absolutely are not good. I mean, there's a few guys you have like Gore, you have like Asa Lacey, Bobby, Bobby Miller, but literally in seven or six of the AFL games that we went to, the only decent pitchers we saw were Bobby Miller and Landon Knack. So, a lot of bad pitching. So you got to discount stats a little bit, but also when they're not performing, it's to an extent pretty interesting. I mean, guys are going to walk their OBPs are going to be decently high because a lot of guys can't throw strikes. We were at two separate games. There was 22 walks. That's not an exaggeration, 22. And one of those was called short because a team ran out of pitchers in the seventh (laughs) inning. And I'm not even kidding that before. Nope. That goes. So that tells you how pitching is. So take OBPs with a grain of salt. But if you're struggling to hit, you know, it's kind of discouraging. You know, Meisner's right right there with him. We I think we must have seen Meisner's only hits that he's had in the fall leagues. He's hitting 188. He's only got three hits, you know, all, all fall league. One of those being one of the home runs that we saw where he absolutely smoked it. But, yeah, I mean, I would say I came away like maybe a, a decent bit encouraged by Blade, like after his season because I guess my expectations were so much higher. It was good to see him hit the ball to all fields. It was good to see him hit it hard at that. And we've known that, but it's really just the contact skills at this point. Like if the contact skills aren't there, then he's going to struggle. We know he's got the power, but he's got to make contact and he's not really doing that. So that's a concern. Yeah, no, but that is one that I drafted him uh, late in a 50 round. I think it was, yeah, it was in tout my 50 round draft and hold. I got him late just because I was like, all right, he's probably going to get up mid-season, you know, maybe July, August or so. And it's not wasn't really a lot of, you know, secure playing time in Miami. And I thought he'd be, you know, double-A, do well, triple-A pretty quickly, and then up. Uh, obviously, that, that did not happen. But um, I, I don't know. I, I'm souring on Blade because he doesn't off – like, Meisner at least still has the speed element, and he still produced, you know, a pretty good stolen base total this year, and he got caught four times as well. So he's still got that element to his game, which helps. But Blade doesn't. Blade's not a speed guy. He'll never be a speed guy, so he has to hit. That was his thing. At Vanderbilt, he was, you know, high contact, good power guy. Hasn't really shown that yet in the, in the minor leagues. Even his 2019, you know, 38-game debut in high A was – mediocre it was actually his i know i don't like using ops but just to show you like his ops this year was 695 ops in 20 team was 690 so it's like it was pretty mediocre then to 257 average three home runs 38 games so total 15 home runs now in 148 games and 619 play appearances after having 27 his final year at vanderbilt in 71 games so i, I don't know like is he just like a 50 hit, 50 power guy, you know, 50 game power guy long term? So maybe he's like 260, 
270 with you know 18 to 20 home runs. I, I don't know if he's gonna be this super impact bat, but I I would buy low. I guess I think he's better than what he showed. I don't think he's a 212 hitter. I do think he'll bounce back next year. So I would buy low if the price is pretty low right now. Uh, same with Meisner because I think he's still gonna be like a 15 homer, 20 steal guy. Uh, it's a, he's always had a good walker rate. So um, maybe he's a you know more of those higher OBP guys than average. So. I would buy low in both, but only if the price is pretty low. Like I said, like I'm not going to go and in, invest heavily in these two. But at the same time, what I will invest uh, more so in now after seeing him, Kyle Stores. He had a, a very good year, kind of under the radar year uh, this year across three different levels, a high A, double A, and triple A uh, to end the season. 278, 383, 514 slash, 27 home runs, 8 steals. And 73 walks in 124 games. Did have a bit of a strikeout issue, but solid contact skills, good power, a little bit of speed. Pretty much everything we saw from him out in the AFL, too, where he was probably the best, most impressive hitter on that team. And he's a he's a dude. Like, we were, you know, sitting pretty close to the field, uh, Chris and I, along with Chris Welsh as well. And Soros, he's, you know, he's not, like, super tall, but he's just, like, what what's he listed at? He's listed at six... 6'3", 200. I bet you he's more like 215, 220. But like yeah, a, he's, he's but a like scout. A, yeah, but like not bad. Like a good 215, 220. Yeah, pure um, muscle. But, but yeah, what were you thought? I was personally uh, impressed. I know yeah, he didn't put up like a lot of stats while we were out there. But just like the player in general, he's pretty underrated. I think a guy that you can get for a pretty reasonable price tag because, you know, he doesn't really have the, you know, the great numbers in the past. Um, what well, you know, the 2021 was really his first full year. Uh, he had 55 games, 2019 didn't do well. So, uh, this is really the first year that we've seen stars and he's still pretty low in a lot of prospect lists. So I'd be buying right now because good power, a little bit of speed. I think maybe around an average hit tool, at least good, you know, good on base skills. I'm, I'm buying right now. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think with the skill set there that he is definitely a guy I'd be interested in. And, you know, you could get him for pretty cheap like you mentioned i think that like you said just the way he's built he's very athletic but also just very strong and yeah you know, there mesa's hitting coach is actually the uh the orioles hitting coach and i know chris welsh got a chat with him for a little bit and and he told welsh that stowers outside of rushman's like the most impressive in that organization which that speaks a lot of volume there's some good there's some good players in that organization so I, I, that speaks highly to me. Like when you, when you see it and then you hear confirmation from guys that work with them every day, like, like that's pretty big. And, you know, Stowers put in a lot of work from what I heard during last off season, like during the shutdown when it went a lot, couldn't go on. And the Orioles did a good job from, from what Welsh told me after talking to him, like they did like nightly, like zoom meetings. They did like these book clubs, like they had things to like keep the players connected and it, and it kept them accountable too, which is a cool thing. So they were all working hard together and strive for that. And Stowers work paid off. And yeah, if you look at his line right now in the fall league, it's not overly impressive, but that doesn't concern me a bit because what we saw was a dude that made good contact. I mean, he did have a double in one of the games we saw him. He, I mean, a roped liner off the wall, like smoked it. And I just think the contact skills are probably average, which is fine. Like even if he's a, a 260 type hitter, he's got the power speed. So he's, he's definitely an intriguing player that, that I'm buying in on. Yeah, well, uh, same here. I, he's gonna be j- making a huge jump. Uh, my prospect ranking. I'm gonna update them sometime middle, you know, within the next month or two. Um, after I dig in some more video and obviously all this AFL stuff as well, 
he'll be one of the bigger risers um, that is in that update. So definitely go out and get some some Kyle stores right now if you can. Uh, last but not least, well, actually, yeah, last but least <laughs> um, <laughs> on on this team. If you want to talk, touch on Caleb Killian real quick, uh, former Giants farmhand came over to the Cubs in the Chris Bryant deal. I see a lot of like mixed, you know, feelings on Killian. Uh, in the industry, some are like really love him. Others are kind of tepid. I'm in that group. I'm not the highest on Killian. I see like a back end starter at best. Um, even though he's had pretty good walk rates in the minor leagues, you know, I, I didn't see obviously it was one look, but command didn't seem great there. So I'm not sure if I'm just chalking it up to one bad start. You know, um, I did see that he was uh, working on some different pitch grips, but so that might have been it. But just in general, I'm not a big Killian guy because I see a back end starter here, uh, so I'd be selling high if I had him. I don't know, but uh, what are your thoughts on Killian, Chris? Yeah, and this the best way I can describe him is that he's got good control, which means that he throws strikes, so his walk rate's lower. But I don't think he has great command, and that absolutely agree. Yep. Command is hitting your spots with pitches, and I don't think he does that extremely well. If you look at the results, I mean. This year, obviously, he had a great year, but 24 in high A. Right. Man, I mean, he did move up to double A. I mean, he didn't spend too, too long in high A. But even still, it's like not overly impressive when you're 24. And then if you're if you're 24 out in the fall league, like a lot of these guys are so much younger. And, yeah, I mean, he didn't get an out and allowed seven or runs. I did read this morning he was working on pitch grips. But even still, like not inspiring. Some scouts that I've read said that, his best case outcome would be like a swingman starter. And so that for fantasy doesn't really entice me again. I like Eric said, I'd sell high. I don't have a whole lot else to say. I, he's, he's 24. He he doesn't get the fastball up really above 92. So if you're sitting 90, 92, I mean, yeah, he's six four one eighty, but again, at 24, like how much projections really left? I don't really know. So yeah, I, I'm selling high in a dynasty league. If you have them, I know that, on the surface, you look at the numbers this year, they're really good. You might can get something decent for them. So that's what I'd be doing with them. Yep, 100% agree there. All right, moving on to the next team here, the Peoria Javelinas. Again, this team uh, was the MLB affiliates for – I'm trying my computer's freezing up on me here. Uh, one second, there we go. Uh, Peoria Javelinas, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, San Diego, and Seattle. Unfortunately – CJ Abrams was supposed well, he is out there, but we didn't see him there kind of holding him out. Uh, he still is to this point has yet to make his AFL debut. Uh, so that was a bummer. Um, but some interesting players here, um, a few of which we're going to touch on. First of all, a pair from Pittsburgh, Jihuan Bay and Nick Gonzalez. Gonzalez had a couple really hard hit balls, uh, cranked up, which should have been probably a home run in, in a lot of the ballparks, but center fields kept it in there. Uh, there was over 100 exit velo on that one as well, a 410-foot double. Uh, he had a couple doubles out there. So he's really hitting the ball hard. Uh, Bay it was leading off for the most part uh, ahead of Nick Gonzalez. The team also had Bryson Stott, Jesse Franklin, Luke Waddell, uh, who I call Waddle just because it's funny to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, so some interesting players in this team. Gonzalez did impress me a good amount, though, and he's a guy that – and we, we've talked about him before, Chris, uh, on this podcast, about how I think many of us were a little too quick to 
kind of drop him down our rankings after he had kind of like a, a lackluster period of like a month, month and a half um, this season around, you know, June, June or so. Then he really picked it up second half of the season, looked a lot better. And now he's a, he's back inside my top 30. Uh, I forget exactly where I have him. I think you have him a little higher than I do, but definitely a top 30 prospect. So uh, we'll, we'll start with the two Pittsburgh guys. What were your thoughts on Nick Gonzalez and Jihuan Bay? Yeah. So Gonzalez for me falls into the category of, performed as I expected. Like he's a top prospect and he's got the job done. It's not like I came away overly impressed. I've seen Gonzalez twice live previously, saw him a couple games here. And yeah, I think that he hadn't had a home run yet, but you mentioned he had that deep double as a ground rule double. Actually. He also won one night. He, uh, the wind was blowing in pretty bad and he knocked one off the wall opposite field. So he's got the power. I think he's done exactly what you expected him to do in the fall league. Now, Bay has impressed me. Bay's kind of a slappy type hitter, but he's got a home run and Gonzalez doesn't. He's got good speed. He's got good patience to the plate, and he's got elite contact skills. He makes a lot of good contact, and he hits solid line drives. So I really like that from him, and not to mention he's got really good speed. So Bay's interesting to me. He could be up pretty soon with Pittsburgh. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he was up sooner than later. And I think he could be a solid contributor. Not going to be a huge power guy, but the hit tool speed, chip in 10 home runs, interesting player to me. And he seems like the kind of floor that is going to hit. So, yeah, I mean, Bay impressed. Gonzalez met my expectations, which were high. So that's not saying anything negative about Gonzalez, but saying that he did exactly what I'd expect him to do. And he's continued that so far. Yeah, Bay really, both these guys actually really kind of fit that Pittsburgh mold. Good contact hitters. You know, that can do something like Bay, more so speed. You know, Gonzalez, more so power. You know, like Brian Reynolds is a great example. Okay, Brian Hayes. There's a lot of, like, decent contact hitters in this system that don't strike out a ton either. Um, yeah, Bay, I can see him being, like, a nice number two hitter. Guy that can get you, you know, 270 or better average, you know, 350-plus OBP. Maybe, like, around a 10-homer guy. I don't think he'll ever be more than 15 at best. Probably in that 8 to 12 range more often than not. He did it 8 this year. And 85 games, maybe maybe a little more. Maybe he's a you know 10 to 12 guy, but I, just, I still don't see more than 15. Um, I said he's more of a line drive hitter, probably at 45 raw. Um, I, I don't know if I'd go 50 raw on him. Probably not. 45 raw seems right. But like just mentioned he's a good speed asset. Yeah, I think he'd be like a 20 to 25 steal guy. So the profile might not be sexy here with, with Jihuan Bay, but he does the things you need him to do. And he does a lot of things well. Cross the board doesn't have any, you know, big holes in this game. Uh, so it's definitely, and he's a, he's a name that you can go out and get pretty cheaply. Like, you yeah. know, he's not a big prospect name, not the big buzzy prospect name. So there won't be a lot of, you know, big price tags on in any of your dynasty leagues. I can imagine. So uh, definitely one to go pick up. Yeah, you know, Nick Gonzalez is back in my top thirty or so. I think he's a got to be a guy that's going to hit for you know solid average, you know, good power, twenty five to thirty homer guy. Adds in a little bit of speed as well. He had a really good year and he ended up hitting 302, even with those struggles 302, 385, 565 slash on this year. 18 home runs, seven steals in 80 games. A lot of doubles too, 23 doubles. So, uh, could be, I think he's gonna be an extra base hit machine. Um, and probably maybe the best hitter in that lineup before too long. I think it'll be, I think he'll be better than Cabrian Hayes long term. I really do. Um, but moving on here, a couple other players. Uh, let's go over to. Uh, your Atlanta Braves, Chris, Jesse Franklin, Luke Waddell. What were your thoughts on these two? Yeah, and neither of these guys have been huge standouts so far in the fall league. 
Franklin had a huge year in power speed wise. And, and Waddell's a name that most people don't know. I mean, he was drafted in this year's class in the fifth round out of Georgia tech. And he was a really solid player at Georgia tech. He's a smaller stockier type guy. He has good power to him and he sneakily, you know, he did pretty well and made it, made it to double a actually this year. And in high A's where he spent most of his time, he hit, he slashed 304, 372, 580 with six home runs. So under the radar type guy who will be moving into my top 400 in the next update, just like the way he plays ball, he hit a couple, couple hard line outs that we saw and hit him pretty deep too. So I think Waddell's an interesting player and Franklin, there's a lot of swing and miss in the profile, but the power speed is, is really undeniable. So if he can get those contact skills up, then I think we're looking at a pretty solid prospect, but yeah, until he shows that and he cuts some of the strikeouts down, uh, I still have concerns about Franklin to an extent, but he does have an interesting power speed blend. He does. And he's one of those guys that there was several of these guys. And another one we'll talk about later in this episode where I was like, all right, they're, you know, good power speed blends, like 24, 19 and 101 games, a high a for Jesse Franklin this year. But at the same time, you know, he's a little old. He'll be 23 in uh, about a month or so, a little over a month. So you're wondering, you know, was it just because he was, you know, maybe a little old for the level you know, we'll see next year. The strikeout issue is there. Um, 115 strikeouts in 101 games. Uh, walk rate under 10%. Only hit 244 to go with that power speed blend. So, you know, I, th- I think there's a 20, you know, 2015 or maybe 25, 15 potential here with Jesse Franklin if the hit tool hits. But um, I, I still have my questions on that. It's, a lot of these University of Michigan guys have hit tool concerns, like Jordan Nwogu. Now, a lot of these guys are like, all right, good power speed ones, but where's the hit tool come out? It's kind of funny they're all from the same school, but uh, he's definitely one I'm intrigued by. I think he's in my top 200 or right around that range, um, but I want to see uh, how the hit tool looks. He's obviously going to be up double A probably next year, so that's a, that's a really good test to see where where Franklin is and if, if he's legit or not, uh, so I'll be interesting to see. Uh, last one here from, from this team, Bryson Stott, who was pretty impressive. Uh, out there in our live looks and, and this year in general uh, in 112 games between high a double a and then a little bit at triple a to end the season 299 390 486 slash 26 double 16 home runs and 10 steals in 112 games great walk rate 65 walks and only 487 play appearances and really started you know really turning it on second half of the season it was funny at one of the games we were at, which I think was the was the Saturday afternoon game. Yeah, I want to say Peoria. it was funny. We were in the kind of the second section of seats, but like the first uh, in the first row, right behind the walkway between the two sections. And uh, his first at bat, we see his dad coming over from first base side over to the third base side. And what what do you say? Something like, uh, "Mom, Mom said we had to get the video or something like that." Yeah, yeah, um, he was like a. He said, Mom said we got to get video. I guess it was a good one to catch him on. He hit like an opposite field double or something. Yeah, he had like this big, um, uh, what do you call those hats? The uh, bucket hats. Yes, yes, big bucket hat. Like he just looked like a baseball dad. It was, it was great. Yeah. He, he had the Stott jersey on. It was awesome. Yeah, um, he had his, uh, his uh, minor league all-star game jersey, which was cool. Yeah. So Bryson Stott is one that I've always been pretty intrigued by. Another one that the overall like package of tools, it's not a sexy profile, but he has a, a, I say at least average, maybe above average hit tool. He 
He has a good approach at the plate. Doesn't strike out a lot. Like I already mentioned the walks he had this year. I'd say above average power, at least fringe average speed, enough to get you like eight to 10 steals as well. Uh, he actually had a 26 steal season back in, um, in college. So I, I'm on board. Like I think he's a yeah, back end top 100 guy that I don't think will cost you that type of price tag. So he's, he's a great target. Uh, in dynasty leagues, and he had a lot of couple hard hit balls, a couple of doubles out there that we saw. Uh, where are you at on, on Bryson's size? He top 100 for you as well, yeah. And I'm thinking for OBP, he's like top 50. So here's an interesting comp that comes to mind who do you like better, uh, him or Michael Bush? Bush, a little bit, but yeah. I, I see where you're going with this because the yeah. profiles are pretty similar, uh, yeah. I see similar profiles in both actually, and you know, for what it's worth. Stott's already walked nine times out here in the fall league, 625 OBP so far, just because all the walks and a 400 batting average. So, yeah, I think that there's good power here that we haven't really seen him tap into the game power fully. And the OBP skills are obviously there. The contact skills are good. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Bryson Stott. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and there's another good target there for Dynasty Leagues because, as mentioned, the price tag probably is, is fairly reasonable. Obviously, people know about Bryson Stott, but – I think the uh, the price tag has not caught up with the val the actual value yet. So go out and get you some Bryson Stott. Next team on the agenda here is the Glendale Desert Dogs, uh, where we have the, the only two pitchers that we really saw of note out there. Glendale's affiliates are Chicago White Sox, Houston Astros, St. Louis Cardinals, and both of the Los Angeles teams. So we got some. Let's start with let's start with the two pitchers here. We, uh, we saw a piggyback of Bobby Miller for two innings and then Landon Knack for three. We're hoping to get three or four innings out of Bobby Miller, but that didn't happen. Uh, Miller really, both these guys really impressed me. Miller did give up a solo shot. I uh, made a, a mistake fastball that Downs took to right center for a, a really good-looking home run. But besides that, it looked pretty good. Struck out Curtis Mead uh, on back-to-back really filthy sliders, his best. Yeah. That's, a, that's a plus secondary. Uh, so he looked really good. It was hitting um, when I, we saw, uh, I think, around 95, 96 on the gun. Yeah. And then Landon Knack was equally as impressive, I think, maybe even more in that start. Um, you know, working more so with, with the changeup, but did show a solid breaker as well. Um, I think he, he went three scoreless. So uh, yeah. both these guys are pretty impressive. And we were having this conversation uh, about kind of like there's no clear-cut top pitching prospect in the Dodgers org. I think there's a clear cut, like top three or so, but you know, some places people, someone like Bobby Miller, the best, some like Ryan Pepio. I think Max, even though I list him third of this three, he's definitely in that conversation. Uh, and someone that uh, I'd be a great target. Everyone knows Bobby Miller by now, but Linda Nax still kind of a, a, not an unknown name, but a name that's not quite, doesn't have that much juice behind it yet. So uh, he'd be what I'd be targeting personally in dynasty leagues right now. But what were your thoughts on these two? Yeah, they were both impressive. They both displayed good fastball, good secondaries, which you obviously like to see. Down, I mean, uh, Miller made that one mistake to Downs, but he rebounded well. That was the second at bat of the game. Settled down, and that was all that he allowed the rest of the game. He pitched two innings, and Knack went three and only allowed one hit. I think he struck out three as well. So he was his slider looks really good. So fan of that, he has a solid changeup as well. I would buy Knack. I, I think that right now Knack's like a tier behind Bobby Miller for me, like as far as pitching prospects. 
but his value is nowhere near there for most people. So I'd right. be going out and getting them. Bobby Miller's the name value, but but Nack's the guy to look to buy because you know it doesn't, wouldn't surprise me if they have similar careers. To be honest, I, I like both guys a lot. Yep, absolutely. Here, I'm moving over to the hitters here. Um, first of a quick note here on Cody Hosey. He did have an injury on a very, very scary looking injury that I got on video, but I didn't post it. I didn't feel right posting it. So it looked really bad. And his, his mother follows me on Twitter. So I don't want her seeing that. Or maybe it's his aunt. I'm still not sure. But one, there's mother or his aunt. I think it's his mother. But kind of uh, was running out of grounder at first, tripped over the bag, did like it almost like that Bryce Harper injury from like six years ago. They kind of did like a full um, flip over and it was just grabbing his knee. So. But he's back. He was back in the lineup yesterday, so um, good news there. Uh, but there's a few interesting hitters on this team. We unfortunately did not get to see Nolan Gorman or Cespedes, unfortunately. But uh, saw some Juan Yepes, saw some Pedro Leon, saw some some Lars Newt bar, uh, which Chris was just telling me that he's making his own candy bar now, which is <laughs> which is this perfect. So, like the last time Newt bar, I would be making my own candy bar as well. Um, but who out of these, you know, these three here? Which one impressed you the most? Uh, probably either Newbar or Yepes. Newbar is kind of a surprise, and you know, looking at the profile, like he's made some tangible changes that I think could really benefit him. I could see him, you know, th- those Cardinals outfielders, like he he could be like a Harrison Bader type. You know, I could see him fit in that mold, and he actually you know leads the league in home runs right now, tied with Jeter Downs. Actually, interesting profile here. I, I like what I've seen from him. He's pretty impressive, but Yepes, the dude's just built. Like Yepes is a big dude, and you know I remember him from from being in the Atlanta system. So I saw him coming up. He was in, you know, I saw him play with Rome several times when they were in Greenville. And he was never this impressive, but he's really come on this year. Makes good contact. He controls the zone well. He can hit to all fields, and he does it with like force. Like he hits the ball really hard. So probably Yepes is the one that I think has like the highest floor actually to be a, a solid major league contributor you know with with leon i think he's got the most upside and we just saw glendale one game so we didn't see a ton he mentioned gorman cespas not in the lineup leon has good speed he made some good contact but he struggled most of the fall league actually with strikeouts and, and breaking ball specifically but we clocked him and he's a you know plus runner which kind of to be expected there but You'd like to see a little more power from him and a little more contact. So I do have my concerns about Pedro Leon. Yeah. You know, we saw him get better over the course of the season. He was really struggling, but that's not to be, you know, it wasn't a huge surprise because he was, I think around two years without playing in any real, you know, games that mattered. And obviously the pandemic threw a huge monkey wrench in there. Um, but as the season went on, it really got better both in terms of production in terms of, contact approach all that got exponentially better uh, over the last couple of months than unfortunate injury he might have, he might have been up uh with them later in the year in helping out in this postseason run so um so probably up next year he got triple a probably starts triple a next year like an intriguing power speed guy i think he could be a you know 15 to 20 or yeah high teens low 20s type of power speed blend but i still don't know like we saw to hit tool get better we saw the approach get better, like I mentioned, but still have my questions there. It says how much, you know, average is he, does, is there, does the hit tool there enough for that power speed to really come out? Does he get on base enough to, to maximize his speed potential? 
a lot of question marks there. And he did get caught 10 times in 28 attempts as well. So talent is there, but still a bit rough around the edges. This is not a finished product by any means. So, um, but still one I'm definitely intrigued by for 2022 and beyond. And yeah, Yep is another one of those guys where you're seeing him, you're like, man, that guy is built. And he just kind of fits the, the Cardinals mold. They seem to find these guys and kind of take these guys that nobody else really wanted and turn them into something. Um, this year, 286, 383, 586 slash between double A and triple A, 27 home runs and 29 doubles in 111 games. Short, solid approach as well. So, a lot to like here. Maybe, maybe he's a late bloomer, didn't really do much. You know, his average was like pretty consistently 269, 269, 265 in the minor leagues, but with not much else. So, I want to see if this power is for real. I think it is just by looking at him. He's a very strong dude. So, it, it could be a sneaky dynasty grab here that you can get for a, a good price right now. So definitely would, would go out and target Juan Yepes in dynasty leagues. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it's I wish we saw Gorman. That was one I was really hoping to see in Cespedes as well, um, but unfortunately not. But Gorman, I, I don't know. I'm not quite – it's funny. I used to be the high guy on Gorman, and now I'm not. Like I still like Gorman, but I see a lot of sites like – you know, bumping him top 20, top 25. I'm just not there. I just don't see granted that if he's six to second base, that power is nice there, but I have questions about how much average he hits for it as well. So uh, real quick before we hit the break, Chris, where are you at in Gorman? Is he top 25 for you? He, I think he's more like back end top 50 for me. I just don't see the top 25 love. Yeah. For, for OBPs, I think he's top 50 or top 25, excuse me for me. He, he does walk a good bit. He shows pretty good plate discipline with the power. So I think the, the skill set plays up a little bit more in OBP. But yeah, for yeah. an average league, I think he's probably more of a 250 type hitter. So I think you have to push him down a little bit because of that. So for average purposes, he's probably like a 40 range, 40 to 50. So I think that's fair. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. All right, let's go ahead and hit a quick break here. And we'll come back on the other side and hit the other three teams. So don't go anywhere. The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's continue on with our Arizona Fall League live looks recap here and go with the team that actually has the least amount of players to talk about on our list, but a couple intriguing names. The Surprise Sagueros, who are uh, affiliates going to Surprise this year, were from Cincinnati, Kansas City, the Yankees, Texas, and Washington. So a couple of not-so-good farm systems in there, but um, we did see a nice Owen White outing uh chris what were your thoughts on owen white he might have been the most impressive pitcher that we've seen so far he really stout i mean obviously we only saw miller knack and uh and then white but other than that i mean there's solid guys here but but white did look the best of any of those players that we saw he, he just had an impressive arsenal he limited a pretty good lineup that he was facing i think he went five innings allowing one run, is that correct? Sounds right, but yeah, one it was one run, yeah. Yep. So looked pretty good there. He only allowed two actually he didn't allow a run. 
I'm looking at the, the box oh, score from it. Nope. I thought he, he did. Nope. Two walks, five Ks, and two hits. But uh, ah, okay. he was uh, he was aided by that uh, Michael Ciani robbery out there in the outfield. Oh, that was a great on, uh, on top. Was it on Tully? Was it the one that Tully hit? He, yep. He hit that laser out there and they would have scored a run or two. I'm pretty sure. But that's probably what I was, that's probably what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a, it was a great play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can go find that on both our Twitters. It was obviously not a, a great zoom out there in center field from behind the plate, but absolute robbery of Talia there. So yeah, white looked good. White's probably the most impressive that we saw on this team, a team that probably doesn't have the best lineup. You know, we saw a couple guys and we only, did we only see them one game? No, we saw them twice, but uh, yeah, Austin Wells is in the lineup. We saw him as well and he's looked kind of meh, but yeah, white would be the, most impressive I saw. And he's a pitcher that I think doesn't get the credit he deserves. So he'll be one that's kind of moving up the rankings a little bit. Oh, for sure. And I think a lot of that, I think he kind of falls into that, that group of like, all right, they're slightly older for the level that are at. So you know, people kind of seem to, you know, even though he had a pretty solid season uh, in, in low a, uh, you know, he only, he only made nine starts total, but three Oh six ERA one Oh eight whip 56 strikeouts and only 35 and a third innings. Uh, so really solid season there, but it's kind of been buried in a lot of people's depth charts and a lot of people's rankings here for, for the Rangers. Like even, you know, you, you pull up, you know, uh, for instance, like MLB pipeline has him 29th in that org um, behind some other arms. I would, I would definitely not take above Owen white and I'm not even the highest in Owen white. I I'm not, I don't love the fastball. I think it's a very meh fastball, but the secondaries are both pretty solid. Uh, both his curveball and his changeup, I think, could be above average offerings down the road. But I just wonder if the fastball is good enough to keep him out yeah. of kind of back end, like number five swingman territory. Uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, he's a, he's got a good solid frame, 6'3", about 200, 205 or so. A uh, very solid frame, really strong lower half, really strong legs. So uh, I do wonder, I don't know if there's any more projection there. He's already 22. It doesn't really, the frame doesn't really hint that there's more projection. So, this might be, you know, what he is fastball wise, uh, kind of like a, you know, 45, 50, I'd say 50 fastball, um, but 50 fastball of two secondaries. That could be uh decent. And, he, and he's got, uh, he's around average, maybe a tick under uh, average command control. So we'll see how that plays out, but uh, definitely one to target in deeper dynasty leagues. Unfortunately we missed uh, Justin Foscu. He was, he's out there, but we didn't see Justin Foscu, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, so not, not a lot from this team. You know, like Austin Wells, I like Austin Wells. Like I've said time and time again, I think he's got an above-average hit tool, above-average plus power, and lefty in the Yankee Stadium is really intriguing. We'll see if he stays a catcher long-term or where he moves off to, but very intriguing there. I'm still in on, on Wells. That's all, all I really can say about him is we didn't, he didn't really do much uh, out there. But um, let's go ahead and move on to our next team here, who we have a lot of guys to talk about from this <laughs> yeah. team. The next two are the good ones. Yes, we, we saved the best for last, folks. Uh, next is the Scottsdale Scorpions. Uh, another team, really nice-looking logo. I like the, the Scorpions logo, red and black, with a nice, nice scorpion in the middle. Uh, this is Boston, Cleveland, Minnesota, San Francisco, and Tampa Bay. All five orgs that have pretty good... I think these are all, like, top 15 orgs. Uh, I'd say Tampa's obviously top 10 org. San Fran, probably closer to 15. Twins, fringe top 10. Cleveland's a top 10. And Boston's on the rise as well. So a lot of talent went out there uh, 
especially from my Red Sox, we got Jeter Downs out there, Tristan Cassis, you got Marco Luciano. And it's funny, we were talking before we came on the air, I guess the you know, two of the bigger names, Downs and Luci- and uh, Luciano, who, even though Downs had the home run that we, we saw in that game that we mentioned off of Bobby Miller, nice opposite field, shot the right center, he didn't look good outside of that. Like, the very next inning, first batter, ground ball to Downs, Air Mills it over first base by about 20 feet, had a lot of strikeouts. I think we saw all of his strikeouts. Yeah. He has, like he's dominating out there. He, he is like one of the highest OPSs, highest slugging, highest on base, six walks to three Ks. I think we saw all three of those strikeouts. Where are you at? On, has your opinion on Downs changed since the last time we talked about him, which is probably like, I don't know, a month or, or two ago? Because we both saw that like, he was flailing at a lot of off speed, looked really really lost. So he was hunting and ambushing fastballs, but off speed, he like they were just feeding them curves. He did not look good. So I, I'm still kind of, eh, I, I don't know. I think he's a back fringe top 100 guy. So I'm, I'm still, still kind of in that territory, but what were your thoughts on downs? Yeah. I mean, and, and what we saw is something that you can't quantify in the stats. I mean, you look at the stat line and he's leading the AFL and OPS right now at 1550. He's got three home runs. He's got six RBI. He stole a bag. He's walked six times to three strikeouts. But I'm telling you, the pitching is not good. And when we saw him against decent pitchers, they exploited him. They won at bat. He it was against Knack actually. Knack threw him six straight breakers because he thought Miller made that mistake. You know, Miller and Knack were the best pitchers we saw him face. We and we saw this team three times, and so three different games we saw Jeter downs and Miller had him 0-2. And he tried to groove the high fastball and and downs hit it. But then next at bat, he comes up and Knack throws him six straight breakers to start the at bat. Not even kidding. Six straight. And Downs was flailing. You know, he down, I mean, Knack threw a couple in the dirt, but Downs was just flailing around at him. He fouled off a couple like they had to really reach for. And that was consistent with what we saw. We didn't see a, a ton of good. I mean, you look at the numbers and yeah, he does have three home runs, but he's only got five hits in the, the whole fall league as well. The walks, the patience looks good, but, but the guys are so wild out here that it's hard to say for sure, like, this is a, a good read on him. But honestly, like, I can't move him up much in my rankings at all, and I moved him out to the top 100. Even though the stat line looks good, he didn't really impress me enough to say, like, he's worth bumping back up because he still can't hit a breaker, and that's the concern. When he faces good pitchers, He's going to get exploited. And I think that's what we saw at this as he, this level this year in AAA. He really struggled because he faced good pitching. And, and when guys get the scouting report on him, if he can't hit a breaker, then he's not going to be able to hit. So that really does concern me about Downs, which is sad because I've always been a big Jeter Downs guy. Me too. And I, I think we both had him, I think, top 25 or close to it. Yep. At one definitely. point, or, you know, beginning of the season. So yeah, he was one of the, the bigger followers of the quote unquote like top elite prospects. Uh, over the course of the season, so yeah, I yeah, he said he's around 100 for me as well. I, I'm still in on him, so I still, still think he could be a decent power speed and solid OBP guy it's at Fenway. That definitely helps that lineup in that ballpark. Uh, I think he'd be a, you know got has a lot of doubles off the monster, but yeah, he, the the profile is it's it's concerning. And there's no other way to put it because like I said, he can hunt and ambush fastballs. He did on Bobby Miller. But anytime you get some, you know, good a pitcher with good secondaries that can, you know, locate those secondaries well and command them well, he's gonna be he's been exposed. So 
that needs to be something he improves here 2022 and beyond if he wants to be a, a regular at the everyday level uh, at the big league level because if you can't hit secondaries you're not going to make it as a long-term starter you're just not maybe as a utility infielder that might be a realistic outcome for Cheater Downs I know that sucks to say uh, since he was a Red Sox fan as he was one of the pieces required in the uh, Mookie Betts deal so we're kind of hoping that Downs turns into something to make us feel a little bit better about trading the best all-around player in franchise history. But uh, right now, it's looking a little worrisome. Um, another Two other big names here, Marco Luciano and Tristan Cassis. And Luciano's kind of the same, the same thing with him. In our live looks, he didn't look good. He looked bad. He had, I think, one hit and another line out the second. Besides that, he didn't look comfortable, but you look at the stats in general. He, he's looked pretty well. He had two home run game just the other day. Um, but in general, and we talked about with Luciano, um, I think with with Welsh, and I don't know. And we we put this poll up too, Luciano versus uh, Luis Matos, and it was like eighty percent Luciano. But I think this is a lot closer. Like the I think the power is legit. I think this is the thirty plus homer bat. I think he can add a little bit of speed in, even though he's been rather inefficient on, on the base pass in his minor league career. Been caught 11 times in 26 attempts, but I'm questioning the hit tool right now. Like uh, a little bit, you know, he got up to high A and really struggled 217, 283, 295 slash 136 games. And so I bumped him down a bit. I'm not ready to write him off, obviously, as, a, as an elite prospect because that was, you know, a 19 year old in high A. So uh, I'll give him the adjustment period, but. That hit tool is a concern for me. Not to the point where he's going to be 240, but I wonder if he's more like 260, 270 with 30 home runs than 280 plus, which is what I kind of thought originally, which bumps him down out of top 10 for me. But where are you at right now in Luciano, Chris? Yeah, he was highly unimpressive. I know yesterday he had a two home run game, which was great to see him get going. But, you know, when he struggled in the promotion to high this year, like I didn't put too much stock into it. But I think right now, he's just in his head and hopefully that two homer game yesterday gets him out of it because honestly what we saw wasn't good. And and it wasn't even just like him struggling. It was him just a lack of caring. And I hate to even say that, but that's what I saw out of him. You know, he hit a grounder and he just was minimal effort. And, you know, we weren't there. We were at another game at the time, but I know Welsh got over to some batting practice and he said that, Luciano might have had the worst BP he's seen of any hitter ever, like popping him up into the cage, like just topping like and BP at that. So I don't know what's going on. I do think Luciano's talented. I'm not writing him off, but I do think that he's maybe a 250, 260 type hitter that has monster power. But I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch his development. The strikeouts are an issue, the contact's an issue. And, you know, I'd like to see him, you know, honestly give a little more effort just based on what I saw. And we, again, saw him three different times. Yeah. I, that's spot on. That's, uh, he just didn't look, just didn't look good at all. Just didn't look comfortable. Didn't look like he was putting a lot of effort in. And I, so I hate to say that, as you said too, but yeah, this was not a good look at Luciano. So, uh, I still have him top 20, but he's in the 15 to 20 range for me now. He's not even top yeah. 15 for me anymore. Said still still believe in the profile. Like I said, 260, 30, and, and five to ten steals is still pretty damn good, uh, especially from shortstop if he stays there. Uh, or that's good anywhere. <laughs> but uh right. yeah, definitely definitely not a top ten prospect for me anymore. Uh let's hit on a couple of rays here. Curtis Mead, Harry Berto Hernandez. Mead had a nice opposite field home run. He's had two home runs 
so far in the AFL. I mean, a couple of nice plays at third base. I'm starting to think like he could be the next like Joey Wendell type for Tampa Bay. Did you slightly different skill set than Joey Wendell? Uh, more power with Mead, but it's a guy that can play multiple positions. He could play a couple of infield positions, play some outfield as well, uh, which I know the Rays love. Uh, so I, I think he's going to be a guy that finds his way fairly quickly, probably next year at some point. We'll see how the what the Rays do in the offseason. But yeah, Mead's a guy he 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 impressed. Like it wasn't like he didn't wow me, but he kind of backed up everything that we saw from him this year in 2020, uh, 2021, excuse me, where I'm like, all right, what he showed this breakout quote unquote is for real. So he, I think he's a top 100 guy for me right now, back in top 100. Uh, what are your thoughts on him and Harry Berto? Yeah. I mean, I think you're dead on, on me. He, he definitely backed up my thoughts and, you know, I've, I've had him just outside the top 100, but prior I'm going to bump him into the top 100 this next update because I think that he's definitely worthy. And, you know, I'm not going to take credit for this. I can't remember who said it, but they, they said it kind of reminded him of Evan Longoria a little bit in the box. And, you know, I definitely see that. My biggest concern is that he's with the Rays. So, yeah, it's just the struggle of what are they going to do with him? Maybe he gets traded out of there. The good news is he's highly versatile. I think we saw him play. Uh, first, third, and did he play somewhere else? Did he play a corner outfield spot? I th- yeah, I think, he, I think he was in left one game. Yeah. Oh, no, so no, he played... right, right. Okay, yeah, you're matter, right. But... <laughs> so he he played both corner spots and a corner outfield spot. He can play second base as well. So the versatility does give him a, a huge benefit, I think. And you mentioned he could be one that's up soon. He's got a decently high floor as well. I'm a fan of Mead. I really like what I've seen in the season and then what we saw in Arizona definitely backed that up. So I don't, I don't think the value's caught up quite yet. So I'd, I'd be looking to get him in the dynasty league. Yeah, for sure. And I just, yeah, I don't know where he fits in because they're still, they're already trying to find, you know, at bats for like Fidel Brujan, Josh Lau, uh, Josh Lowe, excuse me. Um, and um, uh, Taylor Wallace, who's a very good defensive shortstop. Like where does he fit in? It was a decent offensive uh, player too. I don't think he's like a nothing with the, with the stick. So, where does Mead fit in long term? You know, we know with the Rays, there's not a lot of quote unquote everyday players with the Rays. Like right now, it's probably what a Rosarena and Rosarena Lau and um and Wander. So I don't I don't know where he fits in. We'll see. But I, I'm just I'm still maybe they he gets traded. You never know. So I'm something I've always preached. Don't worry too much i worry a little bit but don't worry like too much like all right Mead's never gonna play i'm gonna pass on him no he could he could get traded you never know there's injuries so many things can happen like these things have a way of working themselves out so buy on the talent uh and that's definitely what's the case here with with curtis mead and the harry berto even though he had a, a down season statistically in the minor leagues uh, he's one i'm buying right now because everything you hear about him is just positive the barrel rate is was super high this year power raw power is definitely there um it's just a rough year for harry berto in general just with everything not just performance but just everything going on so i'm buying him i think a lot of people are looking maybe not sell him but are questioning whether what we saw you know back in the the texas or was that legit or not and i think it was i think he's had a rough year so i'm buying harry berto right now in dynasty leagues Uh, how about you yeah and i think there's a lot of personal stuff that's going on 
with him, which helps explain a little bit. The power's legit. You mentioned the barrel rate. I think it was 20% this year for a season, which is ridiculously That's good. Insane, yeah. yeah. So the power's there. I do think the hit tools, he's hit at every level. And I just don't think that he just lost it like this. So, you know, I do think he rebounds. I think there's been a lot go on. Um, somebody mentioned that. Actually, I, I go back to we'll just keep quoting Welsh because Welsh has a lot of inside info here. Welsh met talked with maybe his agent actually, and when the shutdown happened, he went back to the Dominican, and he was literally just playing on these random ball fields with like random dudes. So right. he he wasn't getting the work in that he needed, and I think that could have affected him. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. You know, if he struggles all next year, then then maybe we can start to worry but i do think that he comes around and the power is real i think the hit tool is good as well yep 100 agree so a couple good targets uh from this team that go target in dynasty leagues and another great target right now that you can get for cheaper than these two and i know chris is very high on this guy so i will let him wax poetically about one richie palacios yeah from he's the probably Cleveland indians probably my favorite player that i saw that wasn't like in on before and if there's anyone that i've moved up more in my mind it's then then like from the fall league it was palacios palacios is interesting because he's 24 years old he was drafted back in 2018 so he played in 2018 played three levels and was really dang good and then he tore his labrum in 2019 out all year didn't didn't play a single game in 2019 towards labor before the year then obviously the 2020 season didn't happen so he hasn't played professional ball since 2018 and half of it was injured and who knows what went on last year and palacio is just impressed i I think that he's just an absolute dude um the power is probably the biggest question mark but he's had some solid exit velos and we saw him hit the ball hard several times like some shots and then he hit his first home run of the the fall league yesterday i think i saw that he posted an exit velocity of of 1082 which is pretty dang good for a player his i mean he's listed at 510 180 he's pretty small guy you know when he swings reminds me a lot of Corey seager swing you know sweet he how he generates that power with the lower body so i like palacios a lot i do think the power comes around he's an easy plus hitter for me great contact skills He's a plus runner as well. So even if he profiles as a 12 to 15 home run bat in the majors, like I think that he's got the the hit and speed skills to to really stick. And not to mention that he could easily be in Cleveland next year and, and starting because who do they really have? And he played in AAA this year and was good in AAA. He's an OBP monster. I mean, he takes pitches really well. I mean, you saw this year he posted an OBP over 400 for – between double and triple A. And I just think that the skills are, are really good. Walks at a high clip, doesn't strike out much. He'll continue to generate power. He's going to run high Babips. He's going to steal you bases. And I do think there's there's a little bit of power here too. So Palacios is up into my like 125 range, which is a huge jump for him. I, I just think there's a high floor here and he's pretty dang impressive. He really is. I don't quite have him that high, but I, he's – one of my biggest risers as well was definitely impressed with, with Richie Palacios. And like, like Chris mentioned, all the tools are there that you want to see. Like it's, the power might not be majestic, but 
He had a lot of 33 doubles in 103 games this year. The high OBP, the contact skills are there. The approach is there. The speed is there. The power is at least there a little bit. So a lot to like here where it might not be like the super high ceiling, but I do agree 100% with what Chris said. High floor, a lot does a lot of things well. And if that power comes along, it could be a you know 12 to 15 homer, 20 to 25 steal type with high average, high OBP that hits in the top of the lineup. So yeah, definitely like Palacios a lot uh, moving forward here. So he'll be, I think, probably near 200 for me. I think is where I, I have him. So uh, definitely a name on the rise to target now before everyone kind of figures out <laughs> next year, like, hey, Palacios is a dude. So definitely go out and get him in Dynasty Leagues if you can. And moving to our last team here, this is the Salt River Rafters. The affiliations were Arizona, Colorado, Detroit, Milwaukee and the New York Mets. And this was a very impressive team. A lot of talent offensively on this team, uh, including the guy that I would say is the MVP of our live looks, at least for me. I'm, I think Chris would probably agree. Brett Batty uh, definitely was very, like, he was just cranking out the exit base hits. Uh, and this, he had really a good season, kind of under the radar season. 292, 382, 473, 22 doubles and 12 home runs with six steals in 91 games between high A and double A. And he was he's one of the top hitters so far out here. He went for 0 for 3 today, but still hitting near 400. OBP is over 500. Uh, a lot of extra base hits. He's going the opposite way, too. He was a, he's a great opposite field hitter. I think, I think he's a top 50 dynasty prospect right now i think he's above average hit above average to plus probably plus power um and doesn't really provide much speed i think he'll give you a probably you know three four five every year but just a very good hitter very mature hitter uh for his age still only 21 years old so i am i'm all in and i'm buying on him so what, what are your thoughts chris yeah you're 100 right he's the best hitter that we saw out there and that's no question about it i think that there's more raw power than we've seen some of the exit velocities I've seen on him out in Arizona have been really good. And he, against Gore, if a lefty, two exit velocities of 109, which is pretty dang good there. You know, he's, I think he could be like a true four category type producer with yeah. the power and the hit. He's not going to chip in much speed, but, you know, he did have a triple, we saw, and he can hit the ball extremely hard. He peppers the gaps really well, and he's got opposite field power too which is pretty impressive. So I, I think there's more power to tap into than we've seen. And I'm a big fan and people don't realize it. Like he's, he's like him and Torque are pretty much the same age. So that's kind of interesting to me that you know, we don't think as much. We, we, sometimes we kind of discount that the age factor, but Torque's only a couple months older than him. So seeing Beatty come in and hit like that was highly impressive, but you know, Beatty for me, I think he's a top 30 guy, actually. I think he's that good. And I think I think he's just a high floor. And I think there's more ceiling than we've seen. So he's a lot of fun. And I hope he continues this. He looks like the fall league MVP so far. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Brady's looked really, really good so far. And so Spencer Torkelson has as well. You know, no home runs. He only has two extra base hits, you know, a lot of single. I think like eight of his ten hits or seven of his nine hits our singles and but we saw a lot of them but they were all hard hit like they had several hundred plus mile an hour exit velocities uh to all feel like he was using he was sitting yeah. pulling he was hitting center he had several at the right field so uh, it looks like he was 
kind of working on that, going the opposite way. Uh, maybe I don't know if that's something he's personally he wanted to do, something Detroit uh, wanted him to work on. Not really sure there, but he looked really impressive. This as a as a hitter was walking a ton, but again, there's been a ton of walks. Like Chris mentioned, two separate games we saw 22 walks. Uh, so don't take any of these like high walk yeah. rates. Take those with a grain of salt because of the the quality of pitching out here. And and guys are just gas. Like pitchers are just everybody's kind of gas in general after the minor league season, but especially pitchers more so than hitters out here. So, uh, but so Torque was you know, it's just impressive with the with how he was using the entire field. So not going to move him you know up or down my rankings because of what I saw out here. But uh, def- might might have slightly eased some of my concerns about. Uh, the long-term hit tool because I thought maybe maybe he's only 265, 270 instead of 280 plus that I originally thought. So uh, maybe ease a little bit of my concerns there. But what what are your thoughts real quick on Tor? Yeah, he falls into the bucket of perform to expectation. And that's not, again, not to say that he's been bad, but he's done exactly what you'd expect him to do out here in the fall league. No homers, man, only two extra base hits, kind of man, showing good plate discipline. And for what it's worth, I haven't pulled the data for today, but StatCast is only available at Salt Rivers Field. But his average exit velocity before today was 103 miles an hour. Not <laughs> bad. Like, oh yeah, Not on bad. six. Uh, it's only six batted balls, but 103 is it freaking All right. Yeah. So absolutely scorching it. At least when they're at Salt River, their their home field, and he has a max of 109. I'm pretty sure. So he he's hit the ball extremely hard, and every one of those batted balls has been over a hundred of those six, which is pretty nuts. So yeah, he scorches the ball. He makes good contact, great plate discipline. He's going to be a 400 OBP type guy at the next level. I feel pretty confident in. So yeah, he's a, he's a fun one. He's performed to expectation for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And OBP, he's like top five for me and average, probably closer to like that nine, eight, nine, 10 range. Just, just a few, but he's still a top 10 prospect. Um, but yeah, definitely was was really impressive. I'm glad I got to see Torque because didn't have a chance to see him in the minor league season. Even though Double uh, A Erie is in the same league as uh, the Portland Sea Dogs, my closest affiliate, but they're in the other division, the Western Division, I guess you'd say. Uh, and we didn't really see the other division a lot, barely at all this year, just because of you know the new travel for for the Eastern League with, or minor leagues in general. So didn't really see a lot of those teams, unfortunately. So I didn't. Was glad I got to see Torque, and yeah, he met expectations for sure. Uh, before we hit our final player here, a uh, couple guys from Colorado, Michael Talia, and it's, we found out it's Talia. Just take the, just don't pronounce the G at all in his name. But he also gets called Togs by his teammates, so uh, <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> Michael Talia had two home runs that we saw, a couple moonshots yeah. to right field. We got one on on film, but we missed the first one, unfortunately. All three of us was me, uh, me, Welsh, and Clegg side by side. And we were like, we were talking. They're like, oh, crap. Try to get our phones up. As we're getting our phones up this way, hit the shots. We all barely <laughs> missed that first shot getting on a video. But uh, he looked pretty good. Had had another hit to send to uh, center field as well. Uh, looked pretty solid here. And he's another one that kind of had a, yeah, a lackluster minor league season, even though he had 22 home runs and 10 steals. Only hit 228. So, uh, it was good to see Talia get going. I think he can be a nice bounce back prospect next year. He gets an average back up. Uh, solid OBP guy walks at a higher rate. So probably another one of those higher, you know, valued OBP leagues than than average leagues. But Talia really impressed me uh, in general. Ezekiel Tovar, I don't, I don't know. I I wasn't really impressed with Tovar, but had a couple had a couple base hits or at least one base hit that we saw. 
Um, so I'm, I'm not sure. I don't have an, enough to really move him up or down my rankings. And then Velade, you know, with him, it's funny. We were talking about Velade. He looks like Brendan Rodgers. Like we were yeah. like, it's just Brendan Rodgers in a Velade jersey. But uh, <laughs> what, what were your thoughts on these three, Chris? Uh, mainly Talia. Yeah, I think Talia is legit. I think what you mentioned is exactly right. He's got a smooth swing. He generates really easy power, like, I mean, big power at that. Oh, it was so easy. That that home, the home run that we go look at the home run, go look at either Chris or I's profile uh, for that home run that we did catch in Talia. And it's just like, it looks like he's barely swinging and he just drives a moonshot out the right. It's yep. so easy. It, it had a ex- uh, launch angle of like 30 degrees. And it was like, I mean, it sailed a long way. So that was pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, Tovar, I like Tovar from what I saw in the season. But then when I, what we saw out here, I'm just afraid he has no power. Yeah, I, I, I really don't. Slap heavy approach. Yep. yep, I would definitely describe him as more of a slap hitter. And so that that definitely is a concern to me. So, you know, Tovar, I don't know what to make of him. He's going to drop a little bit for me because I, I think I went too high. But seeing him, he just he doesn't really have that power that I think you want to see. And Velade, he didn't do a ton. He didn't really stand out one way or the other to me. But Talia is definitely one that stood out, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, for sure. So I'll probably bump him back up uh, a decent amount from just seeing him live. But yeah, Tovar, you look at he really broke out like earlier in the year, first half of the season, he broke out, and that's where he kind of soared up rankings. Uh, had 309, 346, 5'10, slash with 11 home runs, 21 steals, and 21 doubles in 72 games. And low A went to high A and was just not good 32 games, four home runs, 239, 266, 396. So overall, did have 15 home runs, 104 games, but. Didn't really look like there was much power there. I, I'd still say it's probably like 40 power. Um, maybe he, maybe he's 12 to 15 homer guy, but I think that's best case. Um, to be honest, you know, I don't There's some solid context skills there, but I just don't know if he's, you know, an everyday player. Maybe he's a backup infielder, utility guy. Just with Colorado, we know how Colorado operates. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of questioning if he's an everyday player. So, Moving down a bit, not like a ton, but yeah, moving down a little bit for me. Uh, and then last, but certainly not, we saved <laughs> the best, the best teams for last and the best player for last. Easily. Maybe, he Maybe he's not our highest ranked player in our rankings, but he's the, the legend of this guy was born uh, Saturday night, our last game out there. And one of the most fun games I have ever been at. And folks, I've been to hundreds of games in my lifetime between the majors and the minors. And this is easily a top five game for me. Easily top five. This was, we had a bunch of the uh, first pitch guys, Casey Bubba, uh, Batflip Toby, uh, Batflip Crazy was there. Uh, Welsh was there for a bit, you know, several others. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I don't want to <clears throat> Ariel Cohen and, and Ariel was there. Guy. Reverend guy. Yeah. There's was, was a lot of people there. Uh, Jesse Sevier, another Fantrax yep. guy, Ryan he's, Bloomfield, he's, Ryan Bloomfield. There's a lot of guys there. And we, every, the stadium was chanting the name Joey Weimer. The dude, he had an opposite field tank jacked. Yeah. A tank. It was Obviously. so hit so hard. It literally cratered into the berm out in right field. Like there's a grassy you no know, one. It literally stuck in it. He hit it so hard. Rumor has it. The only thing Chuck Norris is scared of is Joey Weimer. <laughs> like, and it was funny. This is, this was the game when they, that Chris mentioned that was called 
after uh, seven and a half innings due to Mesa running out of pitchers. <laughs> and we, we, it's funny, we, as we got up, we were kind of like, I think, so I think I yelled it, and I think maybe uh, uh, Bubba yelled it too. It was like, Joey called game. Like, Joey called the game. Um, yeah, the legend of Joey Weimer was born, Chris. And uh, a little spoiler, or we're going to be interviewing Joey Weimer this weekend, and we will put out that interview at some point next week, so we know on the lookout for that. Uh, it's going to be really fun, but he just looks like, like he has a, he has that it factor, that swagger factor. And he's another guy that I kind of alluded to earlier that had the big breakout power speed blend that you're kind of like, all right, let's see if this is legit. And I, I'm buying it. You know, maybe he's not 30, 30 guy. He almost had a 30, 30 season this year, 27 home runs, 30 steals in 109 games with a 295, 403, 556 slash between high, uh, low A and high A, excuse me. But I think he just, I think he's going to be like a 2020 guy. Maybe the hit tool isn't like the greatest. Maybe he's, you know, 45 or 50 hit, but I think he's 2020 and he could be a, he has showed up a solid arm as well from a corner outfield spot. Yeah. He, and maybe the hit tool, he's one of those guys that it wouldn't be surprised me if he's like, just keeps exceeding expectations and has an above average hit tool and his hitting 270, 280. I don't know. That could be him, but he just has everything you want to see from like that that star type of mentality. So I'm, I'm all the way, I'm moving him way up my rankings. He's top 100 for me now buying Joey Weimer, go out and get him. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. He, he's a dude and he's plays with so much swagger. Like, you know, he's going to excel. Batted ball numbers are elite. He has the hardest hit ball in the AFL at, at 113.2. And he's the only player to have multiple hits over 110, which is pretty impressive. He, he had one today that was 110 that smacked off the wall as a laser line drive. Estimated distance was like 422, but, you know, it didn't clear the fence somehow. He's impressive, man. I'm telling you, he's got so much power. And you look, and, and you maybe maybe a question, but go back and look at the mechanical changes he made. You can see at Cincinnati, he had a huge leg kick, and he's turned that into more of a toe tap and still gets the power. He gets to that power. He's got a cannon for an arm. He Cincinnati tried him as a closer once or twice, actually. And, you know, it was a weird year for him last year getting drafted during the pandemic, but he actually went to play independent baseball when the minor leagues were shut down. And while the stats weren't good, this is something I'm going to ask him about. His stats weren't good at independent ball, but I've read that that time was so critical for him to work on things. And obviously it carried over and he had a slow start in the month, the first month of minor league season, he took off and I'm telling you, we saw him three times. I saw him once in the minor earlier in the minor league season. He's legit. Everything I've seen, he's legit. The power's good. The clock times are, I think he's a plus runner based on the clock times we saw. We, we clocked him at a plus time, and the power's undeniable. I think the head tool's pretty solid as well. So I think you have the makings of a really good prospect here. That, And I'm telling you, if we have anything to do with it, the hype's going to go out of control because it was, <laughs> we, literally, we literally got the whole stadium chanting Joey. It was it, like random people were getting going, like people we didn't even know. It was, it was so much fun. But yeah, that was one of the most, Fun games, and we were having a great time with it. So I'm excited to interview him on Sunday. It'll be a good interview for sure. Absolutely. And I say, if you can go out and just get one guy that we talked about today, there's a lot of good ones to go and target right now. But Joey Weimer, like, he's top 100 for me without question now. Like, I was kind of put him in that bucket of, like, all right, the power speed numbers are great. It's low minors. He's an older, a little bit slightly older. You know, is it for real? And I'm, I'm, I'm believing more and more every time I watch Joey Weimer that it's for real. It's, he's a little busy, you know, in the box pre, you know, 
pre-setup, pre-pitch, especially with the hands. But quick, really quick hands, really strong frame. Gets a lot of torque um, on his swing. Really quick hands as well. So uh, it's maybe a slightly unorthodox, but it works. That's the thing about baseball. That it's everyone has a, a different swing. Everyone has a different setup. So it doesn't have to be one way or another way. And his, like I said, a little unorthodox, but it works for him. So um, definitely the skills are all there. I think he said be an impact corner outfielder at the highest level. So all aboard the Joey Weimer hype mm. train. <laughs> chew, chew. We're all driving. Me and Clegg and Casey Baba, we're all driving that hype train. Um, so yes, it'll be a, be a really fun interview on Sunday that we'll get out next week. So again, be on the lookout for that. Uh, but that's going to wrap us up. That was a, a fun time out there. Again, huge shout out to Brent Hershey, uh, Ray, um, and all the everybody else at Baseball HQ for put on the event. It was great to get back to the Arizona Fall League after not having it in 2020, and to Verse Pitch after not having that 2020 either. So it was just a really, uh, really fun week out there. Any uh, closing comments, Clegg? Nope. It was an absolute blast. I would, die, I would kill to still be out there. You know and watching games every day. I think that's so valuable to see, but yeah, I mean, Mackenzie Gore's pitching right now as we're, we're talking. So I'd love to be out there watching him pitch, but right. it was a great time. All these guys, like I'm telling you some valuable seeing them in person, seeing you know, like all at one place too. like during the minor league season, like I see guys, but you know, when, when we're seeing this many guys regularly, it was, it had a big impact. So it was a lot of fun. Got over to an instructs game as well, which was a lot of fun, but yeah, it was a good time. It was nice to, hang out with Eric and, you know, a lot of the dudes in the industry and talk baseball. So awesome time. Make sure you're picking up these prospects or trading for them. There's a lot of guys you can get pretty affordable. So yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And one last quick thing, because Chris is remind me of it. Yeah. I didn't even mention the instructs game, which is Kansas city and Texas uh, real quick. We don't want to go too long here, but uh, very impressed by Ben Kaderna, the second round pick by the Royals. I think he even impressed me more than Frank Mazzucato did, but Mezzacato is still very raw, projectable. We'll see. Um, but Kaderna was hit, hit, you know, sitting 95-96, flashing some solid secondaries. So I think he could be a, a big riser over the next year or two. So I need to go target there for sure. But, uh, but yeah, that is going to wrap us up. Thanks to everyone again for listening again this week. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at EricCross04. Chris is at RotoClegg, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ or over on our Patreon, uh, where we're doing our early positional 2022 rankings. So go check those out. And join us again next week for more Dynasty and Prospect Talk. But until then, everyone take care.